Mighty the Elf, what's your favorite color? I detest cheap sentiment. When I get back in that room, you better be wearing nothing but a candy cane. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am GamerDude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, as we're getting closer to the Christmas holiday, I figured it was time once again for another Christmas episode. I talked about this last week. In the first four seasons of Storytime, I did 13 Christmas episodes. Yeah, you think I like Christmas a little bit? I talk about it a lot. It was such a focal point of my childhood. Christmas was it. It was the goal of the year. Get to Christmas time. Get the presents. And get those two weeks off from school. That was always important, too. So yeah, I know I've talked about Christmas a lot. We did a best of episode last week because I've talked about Christmas a lot. But one thing I noticed as I was going through the episodes that I've done in the past is while I did talk about traditions back in season three, I haven't talked about the more recent traditions, both that I've participated in and that are ongoing. And as I've mentioned previously, traditions are an important part of the holiday. We like to have those touchstones to go back to every year. And those touchstones can be big things, they can be small things, but they're always important. It gives the holiday season kind of a continuity for us, and I think that's what helps make it special. Now, of course, before we talk about Christmas, as we always do, we have to go to the Christmas room. Okay, we don't always do it, but Mr. Agador and I have worked so hard to build this little Christmas room, we have to use it. So, if you'll once again indulge me, we'll head down the hall. It's a very short hall. We'll get ourselves set up in the Christmas room. Yes, of course it still does that when we open the door. I'm never turning that off. And yes, of course Mr. Agador has the fire going. That's perpetual. When you think of the Christmas room, just imagine the fire always going. So we're going to settle in to talk about some holiday traditions. Now I've talked previously about my dad's traditions, that big old star that he hung out on the house. I actually put that up this year. There's some pictures on Instagram if you haven't seen it. I didn't mount it on our condo. There's really no place to mount that kind of thing. Not on a condo, anyway. They tend to frown on giant hooks hanging off the side of the condo. But I did use a shepherd's hook in the yard. That worked out really well, actually. The problem, of course, is the lighting is so old that when it rained, the entire electrical line shorted out. So we had some problems with it. I had to rewire the star. But my dad's giant Christmas star is back in action. It's out on our front yard. And I think it looks really cool. So I've carried on that tradition. I also have my dad's dopey reindeer flag. I've posted pictures of that as well. I don't know where he got that flag. Well, I mean, I do. He got it at an auction somewhere. But I don't know what it's a part of. It looks like a piece of a bigger banner, but it looks like it's something that he cut down or cut off of the banner, and then he stapled it to a broomstick. Not a flagpole, a broomstick. My dad used what he had handy, which was a broomstick. But it fits perfectly in the flagpole holder. It looks good when you hang it. And every December 1st, I put it out as a reminder, it's the holiday season. That's one of my Christmas decorating traditions, too. And Mrs. GamerDude and I have a few traditions. We have a few of the pieces from her family, from my family, some things that we've collected ourselves. And we make sure to put them up every year. They're our little touchstones. For instance, we have these three area rugs. Now, this is where I'm like my father. I picked these up at an auction. It was a rich people's auction, I could tell from the house. One of those houses where the rich people were just getting rid of the stuff. So they had these three area rugs, and they're very, very nice. 
All holiday themed. I'm sure they just brought them out at the holidays and rolled them up and put them in the attic when they were done. But they're really cute. I love the patterns on them. They're very festive. They're five by seven rugs. I got them for seven bucks a piece. So for 21 bucks, I got three area rugs. I brought them home. Mrs. Gamer Dude loved them. And I love them. So we make sure to put those out every year. We like to have certain things hanging on the tree, certain things hanging on the cabinet, certain stockings hanging from the chimney with care. We like to do that stuff. You see that display. You see those ornaments. You put that particular Christmas star up every year. We have our traditional Christmas hats that we put on Christmas morning. But all that stuff makes it fun and easy to get into the Christmas spirit. Those are the nice things to hold on to. Those are the things that make the holiday special, memorable. And I love those little things. I think that's one of the reasons that I don't like the elf on the shelf. I mentioned the elf on the shelf a couple of years ago when I first talked about traditions. And you can check me on this. Maybe I'm being inconsistent. Maybe I'm being unreasonable. I'll let you judge me on this one. But the elf on the shelf is a manufactured marketing item all dressed up to make it look like some kind of tradition when it's really not. And I'm going to explain that in a second. See, when I talk about traditional decorations that we have... One of the things that springs to mind, and one of the things that always reminds me of Christmas, is this little ceramic Noel sign that my mother used to have. I shouldn't even say sign. It's individual letters. They're about six inches tall, made out of ceramic. They spell out the word Noel, N-O-E-L. And each of the letters has holly on it. So little green branches with little red berries. And it looks very festive. It looks very Christmassy. My mother used to put that out every year. I remember it in our house when I was a little kid, which is a long time ago. And without fail, even through my adult years, my mother put that out. After she passed, that's one of the many things that I inherited from their collection. Now, I don't know the history of those letters. I don't know where mom got them. I just know that they were in my life for as long as I can remember. And so when I put them up, it's kind of like putting up a piece of my childhood. I remember my mom having it up. I remember where she had it in the house. And I remember it just... Being a piece of Christmas. There's a few things like that. There's a Christmas tree made up of little presents. It's about a foot tall and it looks like a stack of Christmas presents formed to shape a Christmas tree. That's a cool little thing that I remember from childhood. There's some ornaments on the tree that I remember from childhood. So every year when I put them up, I'm reminded of those moments from childhood. And the origin of those things, while important, isn't as important as the fact that they exist, if that makes sense. They're part of my family tradition. They're part of the Christmas celebration. They've been around since before I was around. I don't know where they came from. I just know that they were important. They meant something to my mom. They meant something to me. After I'm gone, I expect they'll mean something to my kids. And I think that's what bothers me about the elf on the shelf. Because it's not that. It's the exact opposite of that. People talk about the elf on the shelf like it's been around forever. The elf on the shelf has been around since 2005. That's 17 years. That's not forever. I've got t-shirts older than Elf on the Shelf. The Elf on the Shelf was created by Carol Arbersold back in 2004. She wrote a story, which is cute. It's nice. She wrote a little story about the elf that sits on the shelf and watches the kids for Santa. I'm not going to go into all the details. Either you know the story or you don't. But they wrote a little picture book, which was originally self-published, and they marketed the crap out of it. They made a little toy to go with a picture book, and the toy is based on an elf that I remember from my childhood. It's not even an original elf. I remember that elf in red with a white collar. I remember variations of that elf all of my life. So the elf on the shelf is not an original image. It's an image that's been around for years that was co-opted into the elf on the shelf, and then they created the toy and they marketed the book, and lo and behold, it started to take off because people are looking for traditions. 
People don't have the Noel letters or the presents making a Christmas tree like I do, apparently. Someone wanted to market this new tradition. And I mean, I guess it's okay in our capitalistic, commercialized society. I guess it's okay if you can make a buck out of that. But boy, oh boy, it just seems so opportunistic. Perhaps exploitive is too strong a word. Is it mercenary? I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. But it just seems like people capitalizing on society's desire to have meaning at Christmas time, creating this something and then marketing the crap out of it in the guise of making a family tradition, it's like an artificial tradition to me. It doesn't have the same significance, meaning, at least to me. Now, I acknowledge I'm an old dude. I recognize that. I'm not dumb. Maybe this is what people need these days because of what they don't have like I had when I was a kid. Maybe you need these manufactured traditions because people don't make their own traditions like we used to. Maybe people don't want the same stuff that their parents had. Maybe they don't want to make their own traditions. I don't know. But the elf on the shelf caught on and took off, which, okay, if that's your thing, that's your thing. I guess I shouldn't denigrate your traditions if you're an Elf on the Shelf fan, if it's important to you. Far be it for me to say, oh, don't do that, that's a stupid tradition. I mean, there's a lot of stupid traditions, what the hell do I know? We're going to talk about a couple more in a minute. But I kind of favor the traditions that are organic, that just kind of happen, that become a thing because they become a thing. You don't have to make me have a tradition, traditions just kind of happen, right? Isn't that the way they're supposed to be? You have your traditional turkey platter for the Christmas dinner. You have the traditional tree skirt because you've always used it. I mean, I guess you have to go buy that platter for the first time. I guess you have to go buy that tree skirt for the first time. But boy, that elf on the shelf thing, even though it's a valued tradition for some people, it's just always rubbed me the wrong way. And I think it's because of its origin story. By the way, as much as I loathe the elf on the shelf, I love the product that came as a result of it, the mensch on the bench. If you haven't seen The Mensch on a Bench, it's a Jewish counterpart to The Elf on the Shelf. I love The Mensch on the Bench. It's a stuffed guy that looks kind of like a rabbi sitting on a bench. Mensch is the Yiddish word for a person of integrity or honor, and it's a cool little counterpart to The Elf on the Shelf. I love The Mensch on the Bench. But that's not meant to be what The Elf on the Shelf is meant to be, and that's probably why I fully endorse The Mensch on the Bench. I probably shouldn't be so hard on the Elf on the Shelf. I mean, the Elf on the Shelf is just a marketing campaign that's been very successful. Do you know the green pickle tradition? I don't know if that's an East Coast thing. I don't know if it's a Midwest thing. I don't know if you've heard of the green pickle or not. I became aware of the green pickle tradition several years ago because for years and years, I'd been seeing green pickle ornaments everywhere. And I knew a lot of people had green pickles hanging on their Christmas tree. I just didn't know why. I finally looked it up, and there's a lot of potential reasons for the green pickle. There are stories that were manufactured years and years ago. But the green pickle story is this. The green pickle ornament comes from Germany. And in Germany, they would hang a green pickle ornament on the tree as the last ornament. And then on Christmas morning, the first child to find the pickle ornament got an extra present. Or got to open the first present, depending on which version of the story you listen to. And it sounds like a great story, right? Oh, yeah, you know passed down from the German families of the late 1800s. It's a lovely tradition. Except if you go to Germany and ask people about the green pickle, they have no idea what you're talking about. From all indications, the story is the result of a sales pitch. Hmm, what does that sound like? Back in the 1880s, Woolworth's department store began importing blown glass ornaments from Germany. For whatever reason, a lot of those ornaments were vegetables, including the green pickle. 
in order to move those ornaments, in order to sell them, in order to get people to buy vegetable ornaments, some salesmen made up the tale of the green pickle. As a result, green pickle ornaments flew out the door. And to this day, 140 years later, we still hang green pickle ornaments on our trees. You can buy them on Amazon. Go look it up. You can buy them with sparkles. You can buy them with sequins. You can buy them just plain green pickles. I mean, it basically looks like a cucumber because that's what a pickle is. But of course, it's a green pickle ornament. But for years and years, I saw green pickles on people's tree, and I never knew why. Now I know why. And now so do you. One of the other traditions that I became aware of as I was a young adult was the Feast of the Seven Fishes. Now, the Feast of the Seven Fishes is part of the Italian-American Christmas celebration. Actually, it's a Christmas Eve celebration. It's more of an Italian-American festival than an Italian festival, and it goes back to the Roman Catholic celebration of Christmas Eve. The tradition was, in the Catholic Church, you didn't eat meat up to the day of the Christmas feast. But on Christmas Eve, you could eat fish, because fish is not considered meat. We're not going to go into the details about why fish isn't considered meat. You can eat fish when you're not allowed to eat meat. It's one of those church things. If you're not a Catholic, that might not make sense to you, but that's the way it works. Eating fish is not the same as eating meat. So that's why the Feast of the Seven Fishes came into being. Why seven fishes? Nobody really knows. They don't really do seven fishes in Italy. They do seven fishes in America. I mean, the seven may come from the seven sacraments of the Catholic Church. The seven may come from the seven hills of Rome. The seven may come as a result of seven being a lucky number. Nobody really knows why it's called the Feast of the Seven Fishes. It's just called the Feast of the Seven Fishes. And I've been to a Feast of the Seven Fishes. And boy, oh boy, is there a lot of food. Because what the family does is it makes seven different fish courses that you eat over the course of several hours on Christmas Eve. That's before you go to Christmas Eve Mass. Now, the seven fishes can be any seven fishes. They've got to be seven different fishes, and they can be prepared any way. You could have fried calamari. You could have salted cod. You could have baked flounder. The point was you were celebrating Christmas Eve with a huge feast before the Feast of Christmas Day. I know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me either, because when I went to a Feast of the Seven Fishes, it was literally three hours of eating. It was eating a variety of different fishes, prepared in a multitude of different ways, all leading up to Midnight Mass. And oh my god, do you get full. But you have to eat each of the seven fishes. You have to, it's tradition. You don't have to eat a lot, but you do have to eat. Perhaps one of my favorite eating traditions is not one that I've participated in, but it's one that I read about coming to us from Japan. Now, Christmas has never been a really big deal in Japan. They have a few small secular traditions, gift giving, light displays, that sort of thing. But Christmas, as we know it in the U.S., not nearly as big a thing in Japan. But what has emerged in Japan is a traditional Christmas Day feast. The traditional Christmas Day feast in Japan for a lot of Japanese is Colonel Sanders Kentucky Fried Chicken. I have no idea why that's become a thing, but that has become a thing. The KFC website in Japan advertises the Christmas Day feast. People participate in the KFC feast. You can find pictures of people enjoying KFC for Christmas. While I love the Feast of the Seven Fishes, if I was going to have KFC for Christmas Day, I think I'd be very happy with that. I love KFC. How could you go wrong with the KFC feast for Christmas Day? You can have your roast turkey. You can have your standing rib roast. Give me a bucket of KFC. I'll be a happy camper. Before I wrap up this Christmas episode, I wanted to thank you guys, as I usually do at Christmas time. 
Over the years that I've been streaming on Twitch and over the years that I've been doing this podcast, I've met so many great people, I've made so many great friends, and I've gotten so much unconditional support from people who've never actually met me, not in person, but who've spent so many hours with me, either listening to the podcast or hanging out in my Twitch stream and spending time with me. And each and every one of you has become a member of my extended internet family. I guess that's the best way to put it. Because you guys don't have to spend all of those hours hanging out with me, and yet you do. And I appreciate that. That means the world to me. Don't think that I don't see you out there. I see you out there. I'm aware that you're there. I'm aware that you care. I'm aware that you spend your time with me when you could be doing any number of other things. And I can't thank you enough for caring enough to do that. For caring enough to support the old dude playing video games. Or the old dude recording stories about his childhood. The fact that you support me and that you care and that you're here week after week means more to me than I can ever say. And there just aren't enough words for me to thank you. But I hope the words thank you are enough. So we've reached the end of another Christmas episode. Thank you so much for being here. I hope as you're getting ready for your holiday that you have a wonderful time, that you have some traditions that you are doing or participating in or following or recognizing. And I hope this Christmas is as good as any Christmas you've ever had, if not better. Most importantly, I hope Santa brings you everything you could possibly ask for and even some surprises you didn't. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being a part of things. As always, I can't thank you enough for all of the time that you spend here and all of the support you give me. You guys are the best, and I can't thank you enough. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.